Warning, the following podcast contains uh, spoilers for the latest episode of The Great British Bake Off. Please ensure you have watched uh, the latest episode, which is uh, episode two, Biscuit Week, uh, before listening to this podcast. Thank you. Hello and welcome to The Pantry Pod, where three friends uh, review episodes of The Great British Bake Off. Uh, I'm Connor. I'm Denise. And I'm Amy. Uh, first of all, I wanted to start and just say thank you so much to everyone who has listened to the podcast so far and has let us know their thoughts. We really, really appreciate it, and I'm I'm glad that I'm glad that you're enjoying it. We yeah, we made this as we thought it would be fun for uh, fun for friends to listen to. So thank you so much for all of your kind words so far. Uh, this week's episode is uh, week week two uh, of the Great British Bake Off, and it is Biscuit Week. Yay, Biscuit Week! One of my favorite weeks. One of my favorite out of the 10 weeks. Top 10. <laughs> it's in my top 10. So actually, with biscuits, I I think I mentioned this last episode, but I literally thought it was like, I. It, it's still taking me time to adjust to think about it as like cookies. And I remember when we were doing fantasy, it, one of the one of the like wild card options from last year was like a good snap and then that threw me off because I was like how come American biscuits are snappy it didn't make sense to me so it's still taking me time to um to get it but I think this episode I was like oh okay yes I'm fully completely adjusted my thinking to to think that biscuits are cookies (laughs) You're British now. <laughs> Thank you. But are they like more specifically like cookies that are crispier and then there's cookies that are soft, but biscuits are just crispy, crunchier cookies. They don't include soft so, cookies. So I think that I, I think that all all cookies are biscuits, but not all not all biscuits are cookies. If that if that's probably the easiest way of describing it as I trip over my words saying it. But I think, yeah, so generally I'd say like cookies are very like sugary biscuits is my main thought of what they are from what my standard definition of them would be anyway. All right, so let's get into the tasks. Per uh, usual, every episode, there are three different ones. Um, One is called the signature, the second is the technical, and the last is the showstopper. So let's chat about the first one, which is the signature task where they had to create 18 decorative macarons, not to be confused with macaroons or macaron, but yeah. (laughs) Uh, Making macarons is super difficult. We try to make them during uh, one of our Twitch streams. And although like, I thought they ended up pretty good. I know they would not pass (laughs) Prue and Paul Hollywood's critique, but uh, I saw a lot of impressive macarons from the bakers. Yeah, can I just say like how excited were we all to know that the first task was macarons? Because I feel like, again, like seeing a bake where you're like, oh, I've made that or something that you recognize, right? Like that's always something fun. And and I think this especially, it's, it's more fun to watch when we've had experience doing it. And I think you can even learn like some pointers and things like that or get some inspiration from uh, from the bakers. 
especially with uh, like this week's one, like with it being macarons and them being so like fresh in my memory personally. Like when they were like talking about about the mixing being so crucial, and I was like, oh yeah, I remember us literally having that conversation when we made them uh, on one of the streams. So yeah, I I agree that it's nice to have that point of reference. I think everyone's macarons actually turned out pretty good. Like, I think watching this episode made me realize that the bar is set so high, even though they are like home bakers. Like, it's really really tough. I'm sure all of theirs actually tasted pretty good to like my standard, but they're like at such a high level now that they have to like exceed home baker yeah. almost, which is kind of I don't know, I don't know how it makes me feel kind of sad that they're pressured into like i don't know i don't know maybe that's just me but um everyone's looked really good yeah i feel like i i agree i agree that like a lot of them made very good macarons and i felt that uh, like rebs having to remake hers even though they already like to me i would have been like right they look great <laughs> i would have put them put them in and thought everything was going fine uh but it, yeah it just shows to the standard that we're going with for this for this year uh, and i did think that uh Sabira, making the savory savory macarons was an inspired choice and it's something that I personally want to try out myself. I loved that little bit where they showed her because like uh just a quick preface of like the signature I think they have tested it at home before so it was cute to show Shabira with like uh her partner and they were like had like six different jars of peanut butter and they taste tested to see which one would work with her recipe the best so I thought that was a cute little clip to add on i appreciate the dedication to find the best peanut butter um but i also wanted to like go back to rebs uh remaking her batter because i think actually my partner brian showed me this article where it seems like on the internet people were kind of unhappy that rebs asked like others for help or like that's just what the show what the editing did was show that she got help from others and then if she did well they'd be like oh yeah she did well because she got help from others which isn't fair but I think um I think it was Yanush who okay Yanush was helping her and in like the comment section of some posts was like I finished early and I offered to help her what do you guys think about other bakers helping other bakers I think it's the spirit of the bake-off that that they help each other and that they're supportive of one another. Like they don't want to see anyone fail with it, which I think is a very endearing point of the entire competition that it's, it's a, it's a very friendly competition I feel. And it's not like people, like people are competitive, but they also want to see everyone else succeed on the show that I think it, it's a very unique to bake off thing. So I think I don't have a problem with it at all when they help each other. Yeah, I agree. I think it's really nice to see them just have kind of good sportsmanship and help each other out. And again, it's not something like, oh, they're completely helping them, you know, create or, you know, bake bake the entire thing. It's just um, a little help here and there. And I think it's really sweet when they do help each other and even just encouraging words and kind of being there for moral support even. Um, I think that's really nice and really sweet and I think this episode even for just being episode two we definitely saw that a lot um throughout the whole episode and the other tasks too and yeah I was quite surprised that that you said that uh, there was quite controversy about 
uh, Yanush helping people that I thought there was an, a point later in the episode that would have been more controversial because I thought it was very against the spirit of the Bake Off. And I'll mention that when we get to the technical. All right. I can't even think of what you're trying to <laughs> mention. Now I'm in anticipation. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, any other comments about this signature? Which, by the way, I also agree with both of you that like, I think it shows good sportsmanship to like help others, especially if they're offering it to you. Not like it wasn't like she was asking other people like help me. They were offering their help because they were already done with theirs. So I think it's a totally different like context. Um, yeah, completely totally agree. Uh, I guess one, one of the comment is we got our first two Hollywood handshakes of the series yes. uh, in this challenge as well, uh, with Dawn and Maxie both getting one, which was surprising to see too like that we've already had two this season like there's mm-hmm. like in like the first couple of seasons of bake off i remember that there was like there wasn't any hollywood handshakes they d- didn't become a thing until later on so to see two already is does it show the standard or does it just show that paul's gone soft i don't know <laughs> yeah i thought they were supposed to be rare yeah right i guess that's also a thing it's like I can like write down all like the flavor notes of the macarons and everything, and just like if I'm pa- just basing my picks off of like the combinations, and I will definitely like, go towards one. But like in the end, it's like the judges who are tasting it. So even if it's a good flavor combination or whatnot, we weren't there to taste it. I don't know. It was hard to wrap my head around that and be like okay with <laughs> them getting handshakes and maybe like others not getting handshakes. But all I am basing it off of is just like them listing the ingredients, but I'm I'm not the one tasting it, so I guess yeah, something I like we don't know about, about like how like the texture is and whatnot, and how how it actually tastes. It just like that sounds like it would be great, but it doesn't mean it will be. So it is right. tricky. I imagine, or like, what if Paul in his head before every season he's like, I'm gonna give away x amount of handshakes this season <laughs> or something like that, and then he like has to space it out <laughs> for each episode or. And then, like, if he doesn't hand it out until, like, episode five or six, then he's like, oh, no, I have to start <laughs> handing them out more because I thought I would give ten. So like, you get a handshake, you get a handshake. <laughs> a handshake quota. <laughs> I know. I love how kind of funny or awkward or kind of abrupt it is when he gives the handshake. Like, he eats it, and then he doesn't say anything, and he'll just, like, stick his hand out and just shake, right? It's, it's kind of funny. Like, there's no... It literally will catch you and the audience off guard. Yeah, if it happened to me, I'd like to think it's like like it's gonna like it's gonna like strike me for doing a bad macaron or something. <laughs> I wouldn't be like I'd be like, wait, no. I'm not ready for this. I'm not ready for a nice compliment from Paul Hollywood. Wait, what would it be so mean if he like faked it? <laughs> like, oh know, my goodness! If he faked a handshake, that would like that would ruin his. He would never do that. I'd be never. heartbroken. <laughs> I know. I just imagine like. The three of us, though, we would totally do that to each other. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. We would. Um, I'm already thinking of doing that the next day. <laughs> there we go. Never shake Amy's hand, everyone. And one comment we got from our friend April that I feel like I didn't notice until she mentioned it was that Prue, when she's tasting the macarons, she like only eats half of the cookie, but not like a like a cross section of it. She takes one. T- she twists the top cookie and only eats the bottom cookie that is and we found it quite strange <laughs> i don't think i've ever seen anyone eat a macaron like that 
I it's one way of eating a macaron, isn't it? It's um yeah, I like I I don't do that. <laughs> it's like yeah, it's a very good spot because I didn't spot it either. Like when I initially read the comment from April, I assumed like she'd like cut it in half, like to have a look at what the inside of the macaron looked like. But no, she did just like take the top half of the cookie off. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, you know, I was kind of thinking if it was more like it was easier to kind of judge the macaron because if you have the two halves, it can be a little bit overwhelming, right? Like it's not, you can't really taste the filling maybe. Um, And I was thinking maybe like she really wanted to get both an equal balance of the filling and the cookie maybe. That was just my guess. But at the same time, it's kind of like, well, macarons meant to be eaten like with the two halves, right? So I don't know. Yeah, that's like part of the balance that you'd make when you actually bake it, right? Is to have the filling balance out with both both sides. Prue, if you're listening to this podcast, please answer. <laughs> Why do you eat a macaron cookie like an Oreo cookie? I know you came here for like advice. A- <laughs> it has made me want to try this method, though. <laughs> All right, so let's move on to the second task, the technical challenge where our bakers have no idea and no preparation beforehand of what they are going to bake, and they are given limited instructions for a recipe and this week we had garibaldi biscuits which i have never had or heard of before i feel like i do learn a lot about different kinds of bakes from different countries via this show (laughs) especially the technical challenges because there's they're often like just things i've never heard of Yeah, so I also wanted to mention that for the technical challenge, they do get a sheet of paper with a very, very vague recipe on it. And like, for example, I don't know, does it have, I think it does have measurements, but it's very, oh, it doesn't have measurements. Okay, never mind. My co-hosts are shaking their heads right now saying that there are no measurements and it literally just says bake. It doesn't give you a time. It doesn't give you the um the time length either it's yeah i think they i think they as the the season goes on they do reduce the amount of instructions that they give as well so they uh, they may provide the the weights at this stage of the competition but later on they will uh, they will reduce like the amount of info in there for folks like i think like some points it could just be like make the biscuit and then, like, that'll be the, the entire instructions that they'll get. But, so, yeah, it's yeah, it gets trickier <laughs> as they go on. Yeah, so I think I just wanted to point that out, too, because for this week's specifically, there was uh, a instructions at the very end that I think was, like, feathering. And I think that was one of the instructions that kind of threw off one of the contestants. <laughs> Um, so it's interesting to see that they can interpret the recipes in such a different way. Yeah, I thought, uh, I thought that it was quite hilarious and quite sweet that, uh, Sabira and, uh, Abdul did make actual feathers <laughs> for, for their, uh, for their biscuits. Um, and Sabira's one looked incredible, by the way. <laughs> like, she should, like, she should have really got extra marks for how good that like, looked. But it was actually, it was actually the feathering point that I thought, was the part that I mentioned earlier that would be the controversial thing is that because James later on in after the results have come out, James said that it, it like he said something along the lines of it, it broke his heart that 
to see like to see the the way that they feathered it and he didn't tell them which which I, which I felt was like wait wait but why, why didn't you tell them <laughs> it's like this is like it's the bake-off why didn't you tell Aww. them so yeah that's the point that, that i thought of when uh, when denise mentioned earlier about the controversy with it is that yeah i would have thought generally they would have like said it's like oh no by the way it's feathering like this Mm, and by the way, for some listeners who maybe haven't seen the show, I just wanted to clarify that the feathering that they were meant to do was kind of the feathering design in the chocolate of the biscuit. Um, so just wanted to mention that. Feel free to Google Garibaldi Biscuit, a uh, British Bake Off, if you would like to see it in person. <laughs> but also, it's like not even traditionally dipped in chocolate with feathering, right? I'm not sure. I've never heard of these biscuits until, oh, until right, this challenge. Right, right. So I'm going to try them this week, though. Because <laughs> it seemed like some of the contestants have eaten it before, but they were like, chocolate? We don't. I've only bought them at the store before, and I've never seen chocolate on them. So I think that was a, a trick. And I think actually Prue said that in like the little like one-on-one she had with uh, Paul in like the table in the other part of the tent. Was that like, I added the chocolate just to give him a little challenge well that's not that's not <laughs> so sneaky Prue. but uh, yeah one one question i had uh, for after the task is did it make either of you two want to try them try to make it or try to eat it because try to eat it <laughs> yes definitely <laughs> yeah i would try to eat it or make it uh <laughs> a friend who has been in our watch parties and is in our fantasy league he actually tried them from the legit recipe that i think the great british bake-off posted on like their site and he said they tasted really good and they smelled really good not too difficult to make but i think he did a really good job so yeah they look great and yeah that was like that's the first note i wrote for this challenge was uh, a shout out to john bob for actually making actually going and making them and doing such a good job with them oh and it was also john bob who helped teach us how to make macarons on our twitch stream so maybe this episode should have just been he should have been in it (laughs) this episode is brought to you by john bob (laughs) (laughs) oh and for this technical first place went to revs which is exciting because last time she was like 11th so very bottom and now she's at the top so and i don't think that time she had anyone help her so that was all her skills and everything so yay i'm still rooting for rebs and hoping that she keeps getting better yeah me too i was happy to see that after a difficult first challenge she bounced back really well and with and to finish with the places for the technical challenge uh, james came in second and sandro came third and then at the bottom of the table uh, we had uh, Abdul finishing in last place, uh, Sabira in tenth, and Dawn at ninth. So uh, quite a different, uh, quite the opposite to Rebs uh, in this challenge for Dawn. After getting a handshake in the first challenge, she was down in the bottom three for this one. But I did feel like all of them struggled with this challenge because with a, a quite a vague recipe, that it does sound like a really difficult challenge to do. We'll pause here for a quick message from one of our sponsors. 
Uh, this episode is brought to you by the, the Velvetizer by Hotel Chocolat. Uh, if you want a perfect hot chocolate, uh, the Velvetizer is the place to place to go. Uh, it makes very uh, I've fallen apart. It makes very good. Ho- it makes very good hot chocolate. Um, yeah, it's nice. Get a Velvetizer, everyone. All right, so let's move on to our third task, the showstopper. This one, they were asked to do 3D biscuit masks. They had four hours to do it, and I think they could choose any biscuit flavor they wanted. I think I saw various like gingerbreads, um, some sugar cookies, and they had to, I think one of the requirements was that the mask had to be hung, so it couldn't be like laying flat or anything, it had to be hung and stay in one piece yeah so the masks reminded me of did you guys ever make paper mache masks when you were younger like in school or in class is this an american thing connor we did we did paper mache but i don't remember making masks yeah i don't know why i did it i think in like seventh or eighth grade in middle school and literally we would it was in like art class or like the art segment of our class and we would have to like put, um, va- and I know this is completely off topic, but I just have to share because it, it triggered this childhood memory. <laughs> and you put like Vaseline on your face so that the paper mache doesn't stick on your skin and it can like be removed. So you would literally have a partner and then you would paper mache your face <laughs> into a mask. Wait, so you actually stuck it so, to your face rather than... Yeah, it's, it's like literally to the shape of your face. Yeah, but everyone's kind of generally look the same, but... Yeah, it's yeah. a custom mask. Did you do it, Denise? I did it in French class when we were learning about Mardi Gras. <laughs> so we made masks, and it was a contest, and mine, didn't, mine did, did not win. But yeah, we had to do that. Like, we put it literally on our face, although now I'm thinking that must have been, like, horrifying. <laughs> I don't really remember yeah. how it looked to other people, but, like... You put it on your face, just strips of paper, and then wait for it to, like, dry overnight or, or a week or so, and then we got to cut out shapes and stuff. I thought for a moment yeah. there that you left it on your face for a week. He's just coming home and just like, hello, this is my oh mask. My <laughs> I've got yeah, to hide this for a week. basically like a, a mummy. Oh, my gosh. Oh, dear me. Anyway, so they did not make this type of mask on the show, thankfully, but the biscuit mask. When I think the biggest challenge here, right, is having enough things to make it look really pretty, but also um, making sure it's not so heavy. I think the weight was the biggest challenge is making sure. And biscuits are pretty heavy. Like, they're really, they can be really dense unless you're making airy macarons, right? But I don't think that's what most of the people did. It was, it's most, most of the main piece of the mask was this kind of dense biscuit. A couple of the bakers did make uh, macarons for the decoration as well, which I thought was quite smart, which like you said, Amy, is that they're quite light biscuits. So having them as decoration on top of the sturdy biscuit is a good call. And also if they're trying to make it like not heavy, but they also have to make sure that it is not too soft so that it can actually be like really like probably a harder crispier cookie to keep its shape um but also taste good so so many so many things they have to like 
make sure they hit the marks on, which just makes it even more terrifying task if I were asked to do it. I don't even know what mine would look like. And it was like, that was probably the most heartbreaking moment of this part of the show was Carol's. Um, yeah. Because she chose a recipe that had lard only with no butter in it. I've never baked with lard before, and, and I don't know if that's really common to bake with lard. I've always seen recipes use butter, but apparently, like, the lard, it makes a very soft cookie, and therefore it couldn't hold its weight. And it it, it, it didn't it didn't make it, it kind of, it broke. Yeah. You could you could tell like Paul knew immediately what was about to happen as well, because mm-hmm. his reaction was just that it's like just like you're not using butter at all, okay. And so like at that point, it was very much like oh no, this isn't gonna go well. <laughs> and yeah, it was heartbreaking to see, and it's it's the first time that I've teared up at Bake Off this season. <laughs> it probably happened a few times, but um, but yeah, when Carol got all upset, it really it really got me. <laughs> It was really sweet that Noel tried to like console her and said like, "Oh, like don't panic." That's what got like, me. <laughs> don't panic. I but then he also didn't have a solution for her, so like that's all he could really say or like is trying to like comfort her emotions. I just thought it was really nice of him. How many hours do they have for the showstopper challenge again? This one they have four, four hours, hours for this one. Oh, because it can change, right? Each showstopper challenge can be a different. They're not always going to be four hours. Yeah, generally they're very long, and like a four hours is probably the average of what they get for them but yeah they're quite long challenges because there's a lot there's a lot of elements for them to work with but for the amount they have to do it doesn't seem like a long time okay i have my three favorites um but two of them are i'm always they're always my favorites they're always my top so i bet you could predict which one <laughs> of course i love shabira's it was like a two two like like one mask like split into two tones there's chocolate and then like more like vanilla. Um, although I don't really, I didn't write down the, the flavors. But I just remember like a, like looking at it because I feel like I can't judge based on like the flavors because I can't taste it. But just like looking at the mask, it looked like she put a lot of effort into it and it looked very clean and well decorated. And I liked that. And she's always one of my favorites. And then of course, Janusz is also always my top one. He had the mask that was more like abstract, like cubism. And it was really colorful and i thought that was unique too and i just like it really like when the 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 decorations are very clean cut and well made love the artsiness of his and then maxi who ended up winning star baker and hers was described as like a burst of happiness and it just had a lot of bright colors and i think it was carnival inspired which i really enjoyed too and i did write down the the flavors of hers because it sounded really delicious and I think that also stood out which was that it's lemon lime coconut sugar biscuit so that just sounds really refreshing and matching it with does her sound wonderful and mask yeah yeah the, and like Subira made like I think she made over 100 cookies for this one so that was like I was, I was really impressed with how she made over 100 cookies in four hours <laughs> and there there was one thing that I think was was probably a bad sign from it that uh, Mason was she was finished like really early on it felt I'm not sure if that's like the editing that shows like how early she was done but she was like finished really early and she said quite early on that she'd gone for quite a simple design which in the showstopper is uh, is a very big risk 
because it has to I feel like it if you go simple it has to be perfect which I think yeah was was her downfall in this episode unfortunately agreed agreed but then it comes back to like my comment from earlier just like her past looked good like I don't know if I could do that she had like I think she had sugar pieces in her mask and she painted some of it so that's nothing that I could do. So again, it's just like, oh my gosh, these home bakers are like, they, they have such a high standard now to the standard of like almost professional. That's just like, that's kind of scary if I like think about it too much, but, and I just hope that they're having fun, which I think they are. So <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, it's incredible for someone at the age of 18 to get onto the show, never mind get through some of the weeks. So yeah, I don't think I don't think she should be downhearted by by, um, by the going on week two. One of my favorite masks, or I guess it was more like the mask that impressed me, was James's menacing mask, and that was the really scary, creepy one. It's horrifying. And I think it was. I know it was so scary. Like even it had like blood dripping out of its mouth. But just the fact that it was so well done, like, it was scary, but, like, that's a, a biscuit mask. Like, that was so, that's so crazy. Um, but I thought that was just executed really well and kind of cool to see. Set, it set him apart for sure. And, yeah, he was, he was really brave to use, like, brandy snaps for them as well because they are a very easy-to-break biscuit. So I thought that was, it was, very, it was a very brave move to do it. And... I think it was James that uh, made the fortune cookies as well with all the like the horror movie tropes in it as well. I thought that was a, just like that was a wonderful touch as well of just like that being another biscuit to throw in there and to use like tropes and things was quite a funny touch. So yeah, I was very impressed with how James's biscuit looked. Yeah, it was very very clever. Like I've watched Pan's Labyrinth once. I was like I I feel like I was in maybe middle school or like maybe a little bit earlier than that and i just remember being terrified have you guys watched pan's labyrinth it's like the creature with like i have not the hands oh gosh it's 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 scary as a kid maybe if i watch it again i won't be as scared but i thought his mask was spot on it's late here in the uk so i'm not gonna google it before i go to bed (laughs) yeah don't do that don't do that (laughs) so for today's episode the best baker went to maxi and unfortunately Mason was eliminated. So yeah. any thoughts about these? Thoroughly deserved for Maxi. I think she was really strong throughout the the whole episode, starting off with a handshake and then yeah, producing uh, Denise's favorite for it. So that definitely goes into the contention for <laughs> for the for the reviews. Um and yeah, I was sad, sad about Mason going, but yeah, it's just the risk that you play with a simple bake, unfortunately. Yeah, I think I noticed with this episode being the second episode, right? So anything can happen. Someone could do um, really like poorly in episode one, but kind of redeem themselves in just the next episode. So I did see that across the board uh, with all the contestants except for Mason. So I think it's not really a huge surprise that I think she was kind of more in the lower, uh, lower half of the contestants on both episodes and a lot of the other contestants kind of um, redeem themselves, if you will, in the second episode. So, so I am sad, and she is. I mean, again, like what what you both were saying, she is young, and it's already super impressive for her to have made it onto the show. And I think I'm really excited to see 
uh, what the future holds for her as well. And uh, going into next week, uh, next week is personally one of my favorite weeks of, of Bake Off every season is Bread Week. So yeah, I'm really looking really looking forward to seeing what they have to make because I at this moment I can't remember what is said in the preview. So I'm yeah I'm very excited for it and I have already put my predictions in for next week. Me too. I hope the contestants don't get too sour though about their bakes next week. Excellent work. <laughs> One thing as well that I would like to note that you may have noticed if you did well in the fantasy league that we haven't talked about it very much. But I think that's because us three all didn't do very well last week. So we've made the executive decision not to speak about it. <laughs> <laughs> but when I have a good Still week, I'll hope. be sure to bring it up. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> You'll know we had a good week if we talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, uh, to, to actually credit the people who did well in uh, fantasy this week, uh, I'd like to congratulate Kat for getting Star Baker. Uh, so Kat is currently top of our leaderboard. Uh, followed closely by uh, April, Brian, Christiana, Emily, Jeanette, Matt, Miranda, and Kirsty, who all uh, all predicted uh, Mason to leave, unfortunately. Uh, but Kirsty did actually predict who was going to win the technical. So Kirsty is on two points. Everyone else, I said, is on three points. Uh, down at the bottom is Arme and Shannon, who predicted for Maxi to actually go this week. So they are on minus one point currently. So, yeah, there's the Fancy League update. It'll be higher up in the show if we do well. And that's it for this week's episode of The Pantry Pod. Thank you again so much for listening. We are your hosts. I'm Amy. And I'm Connor. And I'm Denise. And we're... The The Pantry! Pantry.